0: All right, guys, let's go to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read that scripture together in a second. A lot of weeks we have you stand to read the scripture, but you guys stood a long time today, so it it was worth it, right? Jesus is worth standing for, you know? Uh, But um, you look comfy, you know? So we'll just read the word, but after the reading of the word, we'll do a call and response, and I'll present this as the word of the Lord, and you can respond, thanks be to God if you so choose to. 2 weeks ago I started a sermon called CIL Forward and it really is a kind of a vision teaching those of us uh, who are new to CIL, maybe those of you who are online, who you've been joining our online services, helping you to discover more about who God has made us. And so it's always good for new people, but it's good for those of us who have been around here for a long time because, you know, we things values drift and we forget things and so the Holy Spirit's going to speak today. and But listen, remember this. When we talk about what God is doing and is going to do through CIL, we're talking about you. We're not talking about some random organization. We're talking about what will the Lord do in your life in the coming days. And so two weeks ago, I talked about our identity as a Three Streams Church. And you'll want to go check that out if you missed that message. So. There's lots of different ways you can find it. We're on YouTube, we're on Vimeo, we're on sermon.net, we're on Facebook Live. Come on, there's lots of ways to get to us right now. So you can find that message, and I would love uh, for you to hear that or watch that, and I won't repeat what we talked about two weeks ago. And now we'll move into other angles about our church, and specifically the title of today's message is The Biblical Purposes of the Church Church. And, you know, I, I want to say this. is I was just so stirred during worship today. And we talked in July and early August about the Holy Spirit. And, guys, we saw the Holy Spirit in operation just a few minutes ago. And, and Jimmy brought, you know, a word for the church. And I know resonated with many of us. But even before then, even though what Jimmy brought was good and of the Lord, before then when Pastor Aubrey was just ministering, guys, I'm going to tell you, what he said was for me today. I know it might be for some of you too, like, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. He just, he just gives us fresh words in different ways. But hey, I was receiving right down to your right. I was standing there to your right and just receiving something that I just needed to hear from God today. In fact, I'm gonna go back and watch the video of this service and put that in my journal. Lord, what were you saying to me there? You see, that's how the Holy Spirit wants to speak if we're willing to listen. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what's going to come out of this message today, right? I've got a whole bunch of notes. Don't think I didn't prepare, and I'm just winging it. But I know this, is that the Holy Spirit has already spoken through his word, and then he comes and he makes it real and alive to a church and to individuals who make up that church. So, yeah, it's going to be good to see what the Lord has to say. Matthew 28, starting with verse 19, says it this way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is the word of the Lord. So I was part of several different organizations, well, I've been part of a lot of different organizations through the years. Sometimes I've been employed by them and other times that I volunteer, I'm on a board. And so I've been through these exercises of of finding out what is our mission, okay? What is the mission of this organization? I've been to retreats where it's like we were all captive for a weekend or or a weekday to, to find out what is our organization. And we we would debate over certain phrases, debate over word choice. And through the late 90s, 1990s, and through the really early 2000s, mission statements were so complicated. I don't know if any of you remember this. It, like, they would be like three or four sentences long and, and you could find them at almost any business or any organization, like these complex sentences. and And I started realizing that Some of these organizations that I was part of crafting the mission statement, like I was the one who helped choose the words and the phrasing. And after we made those phrases and we reproduced them in memorable ways or we thought we were memorable and and we shared them with people, I couldn't remember the very thing that I had written. Now, how many know that's not a very effective mission statement? When the people who wrote the mission statement can't quite remember what they wrote, then no one else is going to remember it either. And so, based off the scripture that we just read, this is the original mission statement of Jesus to his church. And Jesus calls his church to go to all people and to make disciples. Make people who are devoted to the Son of God. May people who are devoted to the gospel. And it starts in our spiritual family and it extends to our neighborhoods and it really goes to the whole world. So as I as I came to this church 12 years ago and and I, I was asked some really hard questions. How many know that Christians ask the hardest questions now? You guys, I mean, you guys ask hard questions now. There used to be a time where people just trusted the pastor, and now they ask hard questions. But remember, I told you two weeks ago: don't trust your pastor blindly, right? Get into the Bible. So, 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 so these really, like, really smart women and men in the corporate world, like, what's what's the mission statement? So, I came up with something real complicated. The mission statement is Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty, that we're to make disciples of all nations. So, about ten years ago, I would say. Uh, My my son, Lincoln, he's now 17. So he was about seven. He was six or seven years old. And I I decided I want to come up with a mission statement that Lincoln can recite. So when Lincoln was six, seven years old, I could say, why does CIL exist? And he would say this, know his love, share his love. I mean, this is a, yeah, man, I get an amen from the sister. (laughs) This, This is... She's laughing at my, my mission statement, like, ha, ha that's not a good mission statement. So, summarizing Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we exist to know his love and to share his love. Now, it's very important, both of these phrases have importance because a lot of times we're biased to one or the other. And and I've been been in ministry a long time. And so I've been in environments like this. I've led environments like this. We're like, we're so focused on knowing his love that we don't even know what's happening in the world around us. And there's no bridges to the world. I've also been in environments where we're so focused on getting the message of Jesus to people that then the people who don't know Jesus become our affection and become our focus And then we've forgotten what it is to put God as the center and God as preeminent and God first. And so, you know, what's what's the truth? Both. When the church is functioning at its best, we know his love and we share his love. And, you know, sometimes we have to focus on evangelism more and sometimes we need to focus on discipleship more. But both of those things together is our mission. So now how is that going to happen? So I believe this is that this is a special place we're a part of. This is a special spiritual family we're a part of, that God is the one who birthed this spiritual family. There were those who came before me and there'll be those who come after me. So I'm a steward of this leadership position for this time of my ministry and this time of my life. But guys, listen, the, the gathering of God's people are not... It's not an audience for someone to preach to. It's a family God has gathered. You know, it's a, it's a community. It's a church. And, and some of you, hey, I'm not planning on leaving. Anytime soon, I just bought a house. I've only made one payment on it. But everybody gets nervous. Is he, is he, is he planning to leave? No, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more stuck than ever before. But there will come a day when I won't be here anymore. And some of you will still be here. And you will carry on God's vision for this house, God's vision for this spiritual family, God's vision for this community. Because the purposes of God, they are not dependent on the personality of man. The purposes of God are not dependent on the plans of mankind. They come from his heart and they are shared through his people and through the family of God. And so here's... Some stuff that the Lord has spoken to me in recent years. Here's kind of our vision now. We're we're called to mature believers, and I, and I think that contextually to America right now is that we have seen the last thirty years a, a, a real a real um, watering down of of gospel. Watering down of the truth, and, and a lot of this has come, and I've been part of this, okay, so I'm not pointing my fingers, because I, I'm, I'm part of the pro, I was part of the problem, is we've entertained people more than we've discipled people, okay? Now, the statistics for the church in America aren't real good right now. But I don't want to depress you on a Sunday morning because people want a hopeful leader, <laughs> and so we're, gonna, we're you're doing something about it right now because you're sitting in, in these seats or you're watching online. So, but the, the the statistics since 1990, all statistics have shown there's been a drastic drop in church participation in the United States of America, and it's just a statistical fact. Okay, so we're blinded by that because we see things more better than we've ever seen it before. Like we see mass gatherings on Sunday mornings like we've never seen before. And we, and we see production quality higher than it's ever been before. And so we might, we are maybe fooled, but the data says that, hey, we're in a little bit of a crisis right now. And I think a lot of that crisis started when, when, when church became a form of entertainment. And so, so now like God's called us at CIL to mature believers. That's why we offer on a regular basis um, discipleship classes. And, and we, we go for the presence of the Lord and we preach the word of God. Um, moving on, we want a culture of prayer here because we know this is that when we're in the presence of the Lord, that's what changes everything. There is no spiritual fruit without prayer. And, guys, the prayerlessness of pastors, the prayerlessness of of the church is the reason, you know, why we have some of the conditions that we're living in today. You know, when God spoke to Solomon at the dedication of his temple, and he said this, Now, Solomon, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven? I'll hear these prayers from the temple, and I'll heal your land. Isn't it interesting how we always use that scripture to point to the world? But that's not who God was talking to. He was talking to you guys and he was talking to me. He said, like, if Aaron, if Aaron would seek my face and if Aaron would turn from his wicked ways, then, and humble himself, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal the land. Isn't it interesting how how, how we want to spew that scripture out to people who don't even care about God's word or God's law? So, we're always looking for chances to pray. We're always looking for chances to pray. And in this world, it's getting more complex. We're trying to figure out what that means. Sometimes we'll pray at the building, but with with traffic, you know, traffic used to be a big issue and then March 11th came. And then since then now, it's not really traffic. It's just, this, I don't know, we're just scared to go places and that's a whole other subject. So the Lord's helping us get out of that. But the, the truth is that in this complex world, we, we've got to figure out, other ways to have touch points of prayer. It's not like in the Middle Ages where people would go down to the village. They would just, you know, they would go three times a day to pray at the at, at the sanctuary. That's not the world we live in anymore, but we want a culture of prayer and we're going to continue to lean into that. Last Thursday night was one such example, a night of worship where we just worshiped the Lord the whole night and, and we weren't on the clock, you know? We didn't have to worry about the nursery and workers. You're like, I'm not worried about the nursery workers either. That's because you've never worked in the nursery. Believe me, go work in the nursery and you'll start caring about the nursery workers. And, and so we're worried about that and, and, and all that comes on a Sunday morning, but we're looking at times where we can seek the presence of the Lord together. And there's all types of different ways to do that. And then leadership development, that's part of my heart. And, and part of my heart is to raise up the next generation of leaders and then raise up some of you guys who are just being lazy i mean some of you guys are leaders and you're just not giving much to god and you're not giving to his church and you're going to regret it someday and when god says he's going to wipe away your tears in heaven part of those are tears of regret because he didn't put the kingdom first and didn't build his church can i say that with a smile because i love you hey These are days, our our time is limited. The scripture says work while it's still day because night is coming when no man can work. So that's part part of being in the kingdom of God. Hey, being in the kingdom of God is hard. It's not easy. Being in the kingdom of God is sacrificial. Being in the kingdom of God hurts sometimes. Being in the kingdom of God means you get offended. Being in the kingdom of God means you're not appreciated. Being in the kingdom of God means that not everyone recognizes your gift. Being in the kingdom of God means you're misunderstood, but being in the kingdom of God is our gift to the Father. I mean, we are, we've received this free salvation. I mean, it's free, it hadn't cost us anything, and we get to give our lives to something meaningful. Come on, I don't want to give my life to things that are going to fade away. I don't want to give my life to things that won't last into eternity. You know, I love so many yeah, you know, I love history and I, and I love so much about our country, and I love so many of our our, our cultural gifts. All those things have value because every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so I think it is important as good citizens that we participate. And, and that, that, that reminds me, I told the symphony I'd send them $30 and I haven't done it yet. So I now need to do that today because, you know, the symphony is a good thing and it comes from the Lord. And, and I told that nice lady I would do that, but I didn't want to give her my credit card over the phone. So I have an invoice somewhere at the house. But anyway, so, so I'm not saying like, like symphony's bad and sports are bad and, you know, all the different things, travel, is bad, but I'm telling you, if those are more important than Jesus Christ, they're an idol in our lives. And we're not, we need to seek first his kingdom. And then all that other stuff's going to come to us. All that other stuff will come to us at the right time, the right place. And that's what seeking the kingdom's about. And so we want to develop leaders, leadership development. Guys, if God's calling you to this church, I hope that you're a better leader in five years. I hope you're a better leader in ten years. I don't want you to come here and just Park yourselves for 10, 15 years and talk about the glory days of the 90s, of the 2000s, of the 2010s. How about the 2020s? How about the 20s? How about we make them our greatest years? Our most passionate years for the kingdom of God. Our time of greatest sacrifice to step into what God has. And part of leading, just listen, you know, I've, I've taught leadership on a lot of different levels, and I mean, we, we have just sucked dry about every principle in leadership you could possibly get, okay? I mean, we really have. And I love talking leadership. But here's the greatest way to lead. You ready? I'll save you some time. The the, the greatest way to lead is to take on a challenge. The greatest way to learn leadership is to take on a challenge. And so take on some kind of challenge God has for you. So let's get into the five purposes of the church. And this is so important. And this is the five biblical purposes of the church. And and I'm going to suggest to you that... A lot of the great churches in America that I benefit from, so it's not even a criticism, are like really good at one of the five purposes. And and sometimes God uses churches in that way. It's our hope, our intention as to be balanced in these five purposes. We want to see all five of these purposes come forward out of our spiritual family. And here's the reason why is all five of these purposes reflect Jesus and who he is. And they reflect who he is. So as we begin to um, allocate our resources towards these five purposes, as we begin to evaluate our ministry by these five purposes, as we begin to look at these five purposes on the church calendar, I'm talking about the CIL church calendar, and to see where we are. Some years we may see that we're, we're a little bit deficient in one of the purposes. And so we'll lean into a season of, of more attention to that purpose. And, and other times we'll evaluate a strength in that area and we'll strengthen that strength. Here's the first one. And I've already referenced this in some ways, discipleship. This is to help people of all ages know and follow Jesus, know and follow Jesus. I want you just to hear that. Know and follow Jesus. Discipleship is for all of us. I am not a fully discipled person. I'm not. You know, I've been through discipleship programs. I've had mentors. The Lord's really blessed me with a lot of opportunity. But, guys, I still need to know Jesus more, and I need to follow Jesus more purely. And I need to give my life to Jesus. And so the scripture we read at the beginning, it says this, and I want you to see it now in Matthew 28, 19. It says, therefore, go and make, look at the word on the screen here, disciples, make disciples. Don't just make converts. Listen, don't just go create statistics. How many know that statistics are so misleading? And so, you know, people who are raising missions, money, I mean, you know, they can use statistics for their own gain it 's not that hard guys and listen lord lord forgive me i don 't I don't want to be prideful in this, but in a in, in a third world atmosphere or even even among even among younger people or, or certain populations it 's not that hard to get people to raise their hand now God works when people raise their hand, and God works when when people you know Come to the altar, no doubt about that. Please don't hear me. And Some of you have conversion stories through Billy Graham or through some of the great evangelists of the 20th century, and I believe that. But that's not enough. Discipleship means establishing a church, establishing a pastor, establishing relationships, establishing people who can reproduce. You are a disciple when you know how to feed yourself. And one of the things that we want you to learn here at CIL is how to be a self feeder you know I want you to like my sermons I do come on I mean I'm not like I don't care if you like my sermons I care deeply okay I care deeply about that yeah but I don't want you to live dependent on me you know let me just get to the next Sunday hope Aaron has something good to say I, I hope the guest speaker has something good to say well there's an anointing on the preaching of God's word man it is just you at Jesus and learning to feed yourself through His Word. Learn, learning to go to the Lord and hear a Word from God. Like, like, like yesterday morning, guys, I, like, I woke up in a bad mood. It was Saturday morning. I was just in a bad mood. Have you ever, just emotions are just not right. I was like, Lord, please let no one call for prayer this morning because I ain't right this morning. And my emotions weren't right. But you know what I did? I just turned to the Lord. I didn't feel like reading my Bible. I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel like listening to worship music. But God gave me grace to step into those disciplines. And, you know, I felt pretty good by the rest of the day. And I had a great day. A great day in the Lord the rest of the day. So, so I'm, I'm just telling you this, that, that you can lead yourself in the community of God. And you can feed yourself. And you have access to the presence of God. You don't need a priest to go between you and the Lord. The Lord has made you part of a kingdom of priests. You have straight access to the throne of God. I like you here at this church, but isn't it good that you don't have to be at this church to get the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is in your car. It's in your cubicle. The presence of the Lord is in your backyard. The presence of the... Well, I'll just stop right there. The presence of the Lord is anywhere that you are. And you can connect with his presence. And th- this is part of what God's called us to discipleship. That the gifts that we enjoy are not just for us. They're for the world. Jesus is for the world. Now let's go on. That's a good transition to the second biblical purpose evangelism. This is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. How many know that until you realize there's bad news, you don't need good news? And so... We can see with the prevalence of evil all around us, I don't really have to spell that out to you, that we need to share the good news of Jesus, that there's a different kingdom. There's a different reality. There's a different way. There's a different future. There's a different love. There's a different Lord. There's a different king. There's a different governor, senator, president, mayor. No one likes any of those people anymore. We've got one who is the king of kings, the senator of senators, the lord of lords, the president of presidents, the congressman of congressmen, and he is Jesus, and he will lead us. And he will lead us. This is good news. This is good news. And and I'll, I'll tell you that. Well, let me just move on from there, okay? <laughs> Matthew 18:11 says this, for the son of man has come to save the lost. This is the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus was to find those who who were lost. They didn't have an a, a orientation towards the ways of God. They didn't know the Torah. They didn't know the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They didn't know about the kingdom of God. They're putting their hope in military power. They're putting their hope in a civic leader. They're putting their hope in their arts and their talents and their abilities. They're putting their hope in the wealth of the nations. And all of these things that we put our hope in will leave us unsatisfied without Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. We're lost without him. I want, I want to just be clear about this, is that this is not a coping mechanism. This gospel is not just a psychological boost. This is not just something that we use to regulate our emotions. This is a real God, a real person, a real personality. His name is Jesus. There is none other, and without Jesus, you're lost. And, and I just say this with love in my heart: the Son of God came to seek and to save the lost, and so will we do that. That's part of His His call. First Corinthians chapter one, verses twenty, chapter one, starting with verse twenty-one, was talking about the foolishness of the gospel. How like people think the message of Jesus is just dumb. That's what the world thinks, and this is the response to that. For since in God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. The world did not know God through wisdom. God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. Now, go back and read that all in context sometimes, but but I just want you to know this, is that Jesus and his message is unreasonable by the standards of the world. I mean, it doesn't seem logical that one man lived 2,000 years ago For 33 years, and only three of those years did he really become a religious leader. And that his death was a substitute for everyone else's spiritual death. And his resurrection is the first fruits of all of us, who all of us will be resurrected with him. Now, those words are precious and they feel good in this room. But I want to tell you, that message is hated by those the Holy Spirit have not drawn to him. That message is ridiculed. And, it, and it's ridiculed, and it has even, you know, since the Renaissance, it's been ridiculed in ways. So this is not something new. I know sometimes we think things are worse than ever before. Guys, even at the founding of the United States of America 240 years ago, there were many, many people who ridiculed scripture and ridiculed the gospel. Some did, some did not. So we, by the Holy Spirit, have been, have learned about this foolish, message. What the world calls foolish, God has called wise. And guess what? Because of the Holy Spirit, it makes sense to us. Because faith, we say yes to God. And guys, we cannot forget this calling as a church to keep sharing this message, keep sharing this message of evangelism, keep sharing this message. and, And it's more difficult than ever before. But how many know that a challenge is good? How many? Know it's more difficult than ever before, but we've got more tools than ever before. It, it's, it, there's more people that are hostile to the gospel than ever before in the United States. But there is more, uh, there's, there's a greater sense of right and wrong, light and dark. There's just a greater contrast, which means there's a greater opportunity. And so we're called to evangelism. Worship, we're really, I think we're really good at that, at, at worship at our church. Here's the third one. We're called to worship. So the point is here. We don't want to be a church that's, like, really good at evangelism and discipleship, but we're so good at that, we're like, hey, we're not going to get into worship. That's where the weird church is. Yeah, we don't want to be that because it's a biblical call. It's a bib- we're, Just as we're called to evangelize and we're called to disciple, we are called by Scripture to worship the Lord. I love Romans 12 and 1, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because it talks about all of our life being worshipped. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So sanctification, our holiness, allowing God to make us holy before him is an act of our worship. Guys, we don't choose ethical behavior. We don't choose to say no to sin because we're scared that we're not Christians because Jesus settled that issue. We do it. As worship to the Lord. So every time you decide not to embezzle, not to cheat, you, every time you decide not to gossip, every time you decide not to slander someone, which is a sin, you honor God in worship. We are called to holiness. We are called to purity. We are called to a disciplined life. We are called to let the Word of God make an evaluation to our lives and I just want to say this is that that I present myself to God and I fall short a whole lot and he takes me and he cleans me up and he forgives me and he gives me another chance to walk with him and he he fellowships with me even when you know I haven't given my all to him and I just say this is that why we're people of worship which means we're people of purity and holiness but that worship is expressed in a lot of different ways. And we worship him with all of our hearts and all that we are. Because there's no one worthy to be wor- worshipped than him. I mean, we, we, we worship stars. We worship politicians. We worship athletes. Guys, we don't think we do, but we worship these people. We, we put our hands in the air for them. We scream for them. We talk about them during the week. We talk about their new product Guys, why don't you give to the Lord what you've given to your favorite athlete? Why don't you give to the Lord what you've given to your favorite musician? Why don't you give to the Lord what you've given to your favorite artist or your great, great uh, your your favorite politician? Whoever your hero is, if you treat Jesus like you treat your hero, then you'll start worshiping. And that's what God's called us to do. Fellowship. Here's the fourth biblical purpose. To live relationally, connected to other believers in ways that encourage personal and spiritual growth. I'm so glad that we have this online component and it's gonna be with us forever. It's a safety issue now, and then it will be a, continue to be a discipleship tool. And I know a lot of people who can't get to a physical building that this is just a godsend to them. And guys, if our online community, if you weren't part of our family, we wouldn't exist now. I mean, those of you, your gifts and your giving, you're part of us. For those who are able to come together physically, to those who are able to gather together, that is the will of God, especially in small groups. Okay, I'll say more so than even even this gathering. This gathering is good. But guys, you know, we, we've got to get going again, the people of God gathering for the word of God. So, so this is one This is one context, like one person speaking, like all of you are facing me and I've got the microphone and you're forced to listen to me, or at least you can act like you're listening to me. You may not be listening on the inside, you know, But, but environments where we can be around tables or sitting around couches discussing the word of God, that's the kingdom of God and that's where growth is. I was at a social engagement a couple of years ago and, and, and th- this, this is so true at many other social engagements that I've, I've been to that involve people in this church. I, I'm just so amazed at who knows each other here and who doesn't know each other. It's crazy. It's like people who have gone to church together for 12 years don't know each other's names. And then other people who, who maybe are at different services are like lifelong friends. And I can't figure it out. I can't figure you guys out. I don't know who knows who around here. So that's just how that goes. And we're not like this huge church either. It's just human dynamics. So uh, I was at a social engagement, and I saw a whole group of people from our church. And I'm like, I didn't know these people knew each other. And they told me, well, we're in 242 group together. I'm like, yes, that's how it works. Sorry. We are in a women's Bible study together, or we're in a men's Bible study together. So the kingdom of God is local. The kingdom of God is relational. The ke- kingdom of God is It revolves around conversation and listening. This is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not just about content, okay? So, you know, it's about being part of a local community where you are known and you know someone else. See, we work hard at learning each other's names around here, and, and it is work. Learning names is just work. That's just all it is. It's work. So when I call you the wrong name, I'm working it, okay? So don't be offended. We learn each other's names, then we learn each other's stories, and then we learn each other's hearts. That's what happens. But it all starts with learning someone's names. So, Learning someone's name, and then, then you get to know their story, and then you get to know their hearts. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. Lastly, I'll say this, the fifth biblical, oh, I got to read the scripture, Acts 2.42. If you didn't realize, that's why we call our groups 242 groups. They're not happening now, but you'll hear more about them in coming weeks. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which today that would be the Bible. Okay, so the, the the Bible canonized the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or to the Bible, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay, that's what the church is called to do. It's to devote themselves, devote themselves. I, I am so glad that, you found community with, your, team, with your, your little league teams, parents, and there can be Christian community in that, but if it replaces Acts 242 community, there's going to be a, whole, a hole in your life. I'm so glad that you love to ride motorcycles with people and you know, go and, and get barbecue and beer in another state, you know every weekend. Well, you shouldn't do that and drive a motorcycle. You shouldn't do that. Barbecue and root beer. And that's cool because we need a variety of friends. But if the motorcycle club has replaced an Acts 242 group, your life isn't as fulfilled spiritually as it should be. I mean, that, 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 that's what, I, that's what the, I believe the scripture is saying to us. Here's the last one, service. To demonstrate the love of God in our care for others that's serving one another and serving our community galatians 5 13 says for you are called to freedom brothers only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but serve one another through love so it starts with the kingdom of god we are to serve each other passionately relentlessly we're to go the extra mile for our brother and sister in Christ. And here's the deal. This is what the Lord knows. The Lord calls us, read the book of First John, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because he realized this. If we can't love the spiritual family, how can we love the world? And a lot of us, it, sometimes it's easier to love the world because they're not in our business. But to love the spiritual family, I mean, those are the people that offended us. Those are people that cut us off in the CIL parking lot. All right, those are the people who moved my Bible when I was saving my seats. All right, these are the things. Thanks for the courtesy laugh, Pastor Josh. You're helping the preacher out, but I know you too well. That was a courtesy laugh, Wait, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I sold you out. Sorry about that, too. Poor associate pastors, man. They just get it, don't they? How many appreciate Pastor Josh? Can we give him a hand of appreciation? All right. Mm-hmm. The last scripture I'll share with you is Ephesians 2:10. "For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are created for good works, which God prepared ahead of them so that we should walk in them." Now here's the deal. I like this scripture, and Paul's such a great writer. Sometimes the power of his words get lost, they're so poetic. Think about this. We were created in Christ for good works. You were created to do good things for God. God prepared ahead of them, so we should walk in them. Walk in them. You gotta, you gotta step into them. You gotta step into your calling. You gotta step into your gift. You gotta step into the opportunity. You gotta step into the need. You gotta step in to the community. Hey, come on, it's easy to go somewhere and hide. But why don't you plant yourself somewhere and live. Live in the kingdom. Live in the purposes of God. Live in the call of God. And, and together, together, we can see God change our lives first. Change our friends' lives. And then change the world, and he can do that. Come on, let's stand together. If you're able to stand, let's stand together. You don't have to, but I want us to prepare to receive. We just welcome the Holy Spirit. Thanks for letting me share uh, my heart and, and where I feel like God has taken us as a family. And even if you're not called to the spiritual family, I know the Lord spoke to you today. You, know, you may be visiting, you may be passing through, you may be watching the sermon, but don't think that this was just about CIL. This is about the place God's called you. This is about the church family God's called you. This is about the community he's called you to. This is about what he's doing in your heart. amen. You know, it's about us being molded and shaped in the image of God. It's about us being the light of the world, reflecting Jesus, like we're not the light of the world by ourselves. We're the light of, our, of the world together. We are together the light of the world. We are Jesus together. We represent Jesus. We are the body of Christ. I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't have chosen us to be my representative to the world. But guys, we're it. He chose us. As, as, as frail as we are and as, as weak as sometimes I can be and you can be, then we are who God has chosen. To be his voice and to be his light and to stand for his scripture and to stand for his principles and to welcome the residency of his Holy Spirit and to fellowship like we're going to be in heaven together and to serve each other like we're serving Jesus. You know, and to share good news because we've got good news. These are the things God has called us to do. So Father, I thank you for shaping us, molding us. I thank you, God, for... Pointing us to Christ this day. And we love you and we praise you for it. We're going to have just a couple of minutes to reflect on this message. Also, you may have picked up uh, communion packets that were in the lobby. And I won't give further instructions about those packets today, but you're welcome to take those during these closing couple of minutes uh, when your heart is ready. And then if you, you want to go, if you miss that, if you want to go get communion, go out to the lobby and get those. They're the little packets you can tear off the top and all the bread and, the, and the, the juice is all right there in one container. Father, we just position our hearts to receive from you. Lord, as we go through this time of decision, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would speak the way you want to. As Pastor Aubrey just ministers in music, I want you to be receptive to what God is speaking to you about your situation. I want you to be receptive to what God has shown you. There's so many things we covered today. Something had to apply. Now, I know how the Holy Spirit works, but I also know that was a lot of material in one message. So the Lord must be speaking. So would you listen to him and he'll show you what he is speaking to you. In just a couple of minutes, I'll come and give our benediction. Come on, let's respond to the Lord today.